Charlie, the Bulldogs have got two flags now. That was two years ago, mate. Get over it. If you think we'll be insightful, clever or just well researched, we're here to say that's not the case. We'll just go out and wing it. We are two guys, one car. It is Thursday, June the 21st. Welcome to Two Guys, One Cup, an occasional AFL podcast. My name is Will Anderson. <laughs> and my name is Charlie Clawson. And if you have come in late, which you have, because we were talking off air, uh, Will, in his little rev up for this episode, was like, let's just chat about everything. You know, why don't we just Google, like, who's playing for who now? <laughs> it's like... <laughs> who's playing what for who now? We've not been concentrating for three weeks. They've changed all the rules. There's zones. There's nine umpires. I don't know what's going on. Well, we did do that little mini episode on the weekend where two games had been played in the last round. And the next game uh, to be played was the Saints-Gold Coast game. So let me just float this theory. I've been out of the country all year. The Saints, the wheels have fallen off. I'm back. We have an unlikely victory. Is this start of a comeback? You know what I love about that is, it's like, I love how we insert ourselves into the narrative of something we have absolutely no control of. It speaks to something that's very human, I think, which is the idea that we are the star of this human story, you know, we're the, Mm. you know, star of our own life, we're the lead role in our movie. And um, sport, that weird thing that you have, I don't believe in God, I don't believe in magic, I don't, you know, Mm. Amy wants to die and come back as a ghost to haunt me just to prove that there's ghosts because I don't (laughs) believe in ghosts. But I believe sometimes that, you know, if the Bulldogs are on a streak and I've missed watching a couple of games, I'll I'll just stop watching for a while until they break their streak because I'm like, I don't want to ruin it. If what I'm doing is helping in some way. The amount of times I've been watching football with friends and one of those friends will leave the room and my team will kick a couple of goals in a row and I will bar that person from re-entering the room because obviously the feng shui is just right. Don't muck it up. Oh, I had a point earlier in this season where I had convinced myself, I was very tired, but I convinced myself that um, I had to be a bit more positive about what I was saying about the Bulldogs (laughs) in this podcast. Because I was like, you know what? What if they're hearing about it? Like, they might not, like, hear it themselves, but, like, you know, say someone down at the club might listen. You know, someone who works in the office or whatever, they've come and seen my shows a few years, and they're like, you know what? I like footy, and I'll I'll tune in to hear what our, our chief supporter through all those dark years, the person who was our number one cheerleader, who really, you know, was there for the Bulldogs through thick and thin. You know, one of the people that we were actually going to get to speak on the you know, um, grand final night at the presentation of the premiership, we asked him to speak. You know, Peter Gordon then did 55 minutes and I didn't get my spot. But the point being, Charlie, I've loved this club and I do love this club and I've been a great cheerleader for this club. And earlier on in this season, I, my my heart wasn't in it. And I was like, what if they're hearing about that? What, how, Mm. how can they try if I don't believe in them? I'm the wind beneath their wings. (laughs) Much like the players themselves, your heart just hasn't been in it this season. <laughs> I've got the premiership hangover. That's the problem. It's not them. It's me. Yeah. I mean, I think but that is the beauty. I mean, having been away, I've really appreciated being away from Australia through this terrible season for St Kilda because I've never had that luxury before. It's like a breakup 
where, you know, you break up and, you know, you move interstate or you go overseas and then you don't really have to think about that person. Like, you can choose to go oh, on you know, Facebook no, it's or it's check not a breakup. or whatever. It's, it, I don't think it is even a breakup. I think it's like one of those things where you've been in a relationship and, you know, you've got an opportunity to travel and your partner doesn't want to. And you're like, you know what? I just don't... Whatever happens overseas, I don't yeah. mind. Check yeah. in when you want to check in, but if you don't want to check in, I'm yeah. cool with that too. I'm not going to be sitting by the phone. I'm going to be living my own life. You're going to be living your own life. That's cool. We'll check when you're back and we're in the same place. Then, you know, hey, yeah. let's, you know, get back together. But well, while you're away. When Yoko, I know when John Lennon had been married for a few years and John started acting out a bit and Yoko said to him, you know what? This is not working. Why don't you just go away for six months Take our PA, go party and, you know, hang out with Mick Jagger and Elton John and just find yourself. And I right. trust that if this is meant to be, that you'll come back to me. And sure enough, that's what happened with John. Are you saying that St. Kilda is Yoko Ono and they've that's given me I'm permission? Saying. They've given me permission? Well, it makes sense. They ruin everything that's good and <laughs> now they're sending they're like, me away to find myself. Basically, St. Kilda has said to you, they're like, you know, look, we both admit it hasn't been good for a while. Like, we're still hanging on to those good memories. But they were like five, six years ago now. Like, it's mm. been a long time since things were good, but we've just kind of kept pretending that things were going to be okay. Particularly, you know what? Oh, you know what it is? You've stayed together for the kids. You've yeah. stayed together t until Rui moved out of home. And like, you know, uh, Joey Montagna moved <laughs> out. And then you're suddenly like, you know what? You are a classic couple who broke up after the kids. You've just been staying <laughs> together for the kids. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of that, the idea of like a club, something not working out, the culture of a club. Uh, I did one of the things I did see when I got back was uh, David King went on this rant about St Kilda and was saying for like you know for the last forty years, you know this club has been a joke. They haven't you know what have they been doing with their time? Well, well they don't want it enough. They're, they're too easy on themselves. Blah 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 blah. Now I just don't. When people talk about the culture of a club, like I just don't understand how you that. That to me suggests that there is uh, an intangible attitude that infects all administration and players when they enter that club. But that surely can't be the case. In the last 40 years, St Kilda's had however many board members, how many of the players, how many coaching staff. Are you telling me that there is something like inherent about that club that brings all these different people over all these different years back to the same level? I, yes, I think maybe he's right. I think maybe there is. And it's something I've been examining in my own mind a lot this season, being a Bulldogs supporter, because one of the things that I think is emblemic of a culture around a club is I've not, if you're a Hawthorne fan, remember like Hawthorne were bad for three weeks and everyone wanted to sack Clarko. Mm. Like that's, that's what being a Hawthorne fan is. You expect high standards and when they're not being met, you immediately kind of have a review into what's going wrong. Whereas with the Bulldogs, even me, I've been like, you know what? We won one. <laughs> it doesn't really matter that we're shit again like normal because we won one now. That's all I really wanted was like one. We won one, right? And then you're like, ah, oh, we've got a lot of injuries. They're young. Whatever. Who cares? We won one, right? And there's that, like, you could be angry at the coach or you could be angry at the players if you were a Hawthorne fan or even a Collingwood fan, even when they're going badly. These people who have high expectations of how their sides will perform. But for mm. us, it kind of feels like we can't be critical of the boys or we can't be critical of the club because they got us one. And yeah. we're the Bulldogs. And no, you don't, 
you know what? We won the premiership two years ago and now we're terrible. We've been terrible for two years. We should be back page of the fucking paper every second day. If we were a big club, like Collingwood finish like ninth or tenth and they have like a fucking royal commission into the entire club. And yeah. the Bulldogs went from winning the premiership to like being shit two years in a row and everyone's and there are heaps of reasons why, but we get away with fucking murder because no one has high expectations of us. And that's culture, right? That's yeah. a pers- you know, within the club, you just don't hear that can you imagine what like Peter Gordon's really said nothing, right? I haven't seen him in the press at all, like even making a statement really, you know, in support. Like, or no one, maybe he's making them, but no one fucking cares because we're the Bulldogs and that you just don't get that sort of attention. I think you are the victims of your success, especially in the way it happened. Like, I think if it had been like a gradual build where you guys had played finals for four or five years and then you'd capped it off with the premiership, but because you sort of came from the clouds, it's like easy come, easy go. I think that's, why you escape scrutiny is everyone's like, well, there had to be a Bradbury in this modern era of football where any team can come from anywhere and win a flag. There had to be the first Bradbury and that was you guys. Okay. But here's what I will say to that. And I, and there is some validity in what you're saying, but also that was an extraordinary season. We won 15 games and we probably would have, should have won that. So probably should have won 16 games, right? That last free I won, it didn't matter. So we didn't, uh, yeah, I think we didn't really try that much, but you know, 15 or 16 games. We, we won't win 15 or 16 games total in these two fucking seasons, the two seasons afterwards. Our best player, our best and fairest, like he was 21 or something at the time. And he's, he's not the problem, by the way, but there were so many players in that team who were playing at their best. And now so many of them aren't, regardless of, you know, Tom Boyd, you should, and I know there's been other issues with like guys like that as well, but there's just been a lot of other issues at yeah. the Bulldogs, like in general, whether you it's injuries I- or partying or like, you know, I don't know, whatever the fuck it is. Like it I hasn't think, worked I out. I think what and... you guys are really lacking is where are your scraggers? Like you're all a bit too slick and young and metrosexual now. Like, you know, Bulldogs have always had at least one or two dudes that scratch your eyes out at the bottom of the pack. Always a couple of guys with a rat's tail or, you know. But now you're all sort of like clean cut and stuff. Luke Dalhouse had like dreads, I believe, when he started. But then he got rid of him, and now he's all, like, short back and sides. I think maybe that's the issue. You need to get a couple of scraggers back in your side. You know what? I'm not saying that we should have a haircuts-only draft policy, but, <laughs> look, if, if anything is indicative of this podcast is that we should judge people entirely on their haircuts. So I think any kid who walks in with a fucking rat's tail or a mullet, if some kid looks like a young Dan- Danny Southern, then yeah. fucking draft him. I don't care if he can't kick on his left. Fucking draft him. Yeah, I mean, you talk about who is like the spiritual leader of your team. Oh, it's the guy who can't kick or handball, has got terrible fitness, but he's got great rat's tail. <laughs> that guy is our spiritual leader. There's a story um, about Danny Southern that I don't know the 100% validity of, uh, okay. which is that um, I'm pretty sure of, but I will <laughs> say that I'm not sure of all the exact details of it so if i'm getting some aspects of it slightly wrong uh, then i apologize but i think the gist of what i'm about if it (laughs) in the spirit of this podcast charlie i'm about (laughs) to give you the gist of something about football great Great. and so the gist of what i understand is that danny southern's girlfriend was involved in a road rage incident 
and this like guy um, who w- had done the wrong thing, but was all like, you know, just muscly and jacked up or some karate expert or whatever the fuck he was, like has got out of the car and like, you know, like aggressively kind of had a go at uh, Danny Southern's girlfriend, right? But what, maybe banged on the window or something? I don't know. These are the details I'm adding myself. These are yeah. gisty. Yeah. So, um, uh, so does not realize that in the other seat next uh, to Danny Southern's girlfriend is Danny Southern, one of the hardest men ever to play AFL, who got out and uh, promptly dealt with uh, the, the, the said, guy in the road rage. Said, yeah. said perpetrator said of road rage. Yeah. Exactly. He came in all Denzel, the equaliser style, and just fuck. he said his watch just yeah. beforehand and then fucking took this guy down, Danny Southern style. Hang on. But did- Spice, have you just watched... Denzel Washington's The Equalizer. Like, of all the references to go to, like, he went all Bruce Lee on him. He went all Dirty Harry. You pick a remake of an 80s TV show that was a moderate hit at the cinemas four years ago? It wasn't that recently, but it sticks in my mind because one of our friends, Nash Edgerton, is in that scene. Yeah, oh, that's right. It's yeah, a, yeah. It's, yeah, it's a big stunt scene. The initial yeah. one where he's kind of establishing himself as like, this ain't your grandma's equaliser. This yeah. is Denzel and he's equalising shit. And he like always starts his watch to see how fast that he'll uh, fight for. Yeah. And um, and our friend Nash is one of the stuntmen in that thing. So I have actually, that is stuck in my mind a little <laughs> and is now my official go-to for this. Anyway, when he was meeting out... <laughs> <laughs> some Denzel style retrib- retribution. Mm. Um, he uh, did himself an injury and was like out for six weeks or something. Right. Danny Southern, he's the guy who, in Michael Gardner's first game at the Western Oval, uh, ran up to him. What did he say? Welcome to the doghouse or welcome to the kennel or something? And then like beat the shit out of him. Which makes the line a little cooler. Yeah. Like beforehand, it's actually just not. It's like something Snoop might yell at a concert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I remember that Michael Gardner, like high, highly prized number one draft pick for West Coast Eagles, just a skinny kid yeah. back then, lines up at full forward, and Danny Southern just goes out and goes, "I don't care how old you are, I'm going to absolutely destroy you." Right. Well, that was the old-fashioned thing that you would do. I mean, that was the Nick Rewalt thing, right? Wasn't it? Was it the Scott brothers? Or was it Martin Pike? Who went after Nick Rewald? Yeah, but it was Brisbane, after, wasn't it? Yeah, but that was after he hurt his shoulder. This was I'm pretty I'm pretty sure the Danny Southern thing was at the start of the game. It was when you yeah, to, but but my point that, being that yeah. you're persecuting the the old fashioned thing of persecuting yeah. somebody went there like when yeah. they're clearly yeah. infirmed or or young. You know what it is? Punching down. Yeah. There's been a lot of debate in the world of comedy about the difference between punching down and punching up, you know? And, you know, we live in a more woke AFL world now. So, yeah, you know, the, the concept of reveling in the idea of someone who's clearly, mu- it's anti bullying. Yeah. It's probably, they probably, the umpires would probably have to report them for bullying. You know what you don't see anymore in the football? You just made me think of this. Is like, remember like players used to shake hands before when they'd run out to position? Like they'd run up to yeah. each other and they'd just do a quick handshake. Like, and I remember that being encouraged in junior football, but that when was the last time you saw that before a game? They do, they'll do it after a game. They'll have a chat about everything. They'll they'll start a, a t-shirt business after a game now. <laughs> but beforehand, it's so, it's so true though. It's so true. Well, you know what it is. They probably fucking got a ride in together. They probably live together or whatever, because that's what AFL players do these days. So it's weird to shake hands with somebody that you've been. 
like you know hanging out with or not. No, they probably play, they probably players, got an Uber from together. Different, from different clubs don't live together. No way. Oh, they, no, they still do. No, that's bullshit. Yeah, modern mate. There's no way. How would you protect against the like uh, like you know IP getting shared and all that kind of stuff? I don't know if you have to go home and put your fucking IP up on your wall, like, you know, serial killer style. But, you'd be, but you might be like, you might be getting sent home with tapes or videos to watch or something like that. I don't, I don't know. I just, I know from most of the Saints players, they all share with each other. I haven't heard of a Saints player who shares with a player from another team. In fact, look, if anyone I, knows, what... knows about, this is a good thing for people to send us in. If you've got any whispers from east, west, south or north, send them in and let us know if players from yeah, different clubs well, live together. I gotta be honest with you, Charlie. Uh, you know, I was mostly using hyperbole for a comic <laughs> scenario, implying that the AFL players were closer than ever. I was really trying to extrapolate on your idea of them opening a t-shirt business together. I was like, that's a good riff by Charlie. And we should not let this lie. We should explore this more. And I was like, what would be more intimate than that? The fact that they caught an Uber in together. And then I was like, you know what? I have heard of players living together from different clubs, but it's, I think it's mostly a transition thing. It's mostly right. if they played at the same club and then suddenly one of them's, you know, drafted to another club. Yeah. But they're still I can in. Like, yeah. That. So I think there's probably just a crossover period and I've extrapolated that out. But if there is, is, if there is more examples, like maybe in like in Western Australia, for example, could like a West Coast player live with a free. Oh, no, probably not. No, wait, definitely not. Especially not in those states. Maybe in Sydney. Like I think, you know, uh, in the, in the home of the Battle of the Bridge, <laughs> like there'd right. be no problem with those guys living together. Yeah, well, at least in the same apartment block at Bondi, you know? Yeah. They might not live in the same house, but, like, Callan Ward could live, like, you know, four floors down from Buddy Franklin. I was very happy. I saw Dylan Scheel uh, within the first week of being back in Australia. Still moving quite well down the street, walking his dog. Uh, haven't worked up the courage yet to, to get into the Saints. I mean, you know what? Like, well, their season this season and the Saints season, and look, it's, it's hard, isn't it? Because you'd be like... His GWS's season might make him more willing to move. Yeah. Right? You, you suddenly look at a few of those guys and go, if I was only sticking around here because I thought we had a guaranteed premiership in the next couple of years and suddenly it doesn't look like that is necessarily guaranteed, then maybe yeah. you go, oh, well, maybe if you're Josh Kelly or whatever, maybe you go, oh, well, you know, maybe I could go to somewhere else, you know, on a really I, fucking great deal I think, or whatever. I think what you'd want to do if you're Dylan Shield <clears throat> or Josh Kelly and you had a couple of years to play out or a year or two to play out in your contract... You and knowing that you're going to leave, you would just I would stay, just to kind of like keep noses in joint and just just pick up three votes every game, and just drive that, just play to drive your price up by the end of 2019. That would be my advice. Yeah, which is going to be great for the culture of the club. Yeah. So <laughs> there's no handballs, 48 <laughs> kicks, no handballs each game. <laughs> no handballs, no tackles. <laughs> <laughs> a champion data high of 96 specky attempts. <laughs> what footy did you see besides the games we talked about on Saturday? So we talked about Bulldogs and Port. We talked about uh, uh, Sydney what and was West Coast. That? Well, the Saints come back against Gold Coast. Did you see any of that? Did not see any of it, but I saw the reaction on social media. Did you see any? Yeah, I watched the whole thing. It was terrible. Terrible. Like, look, I'm glad we got the win, but it was just one of the worst standards of football I've seen all year. I haven't really watched like a full game this year yet, so that was my first one, a full Saints game. And we were like, 
we were 40 points down in the third quarter. And I'm like, this is, like, this is, I might have to go back overseas. But then <laughs> I was meant to meet friends for dinner at seven. It was like a late afternoon game. And then in that last quarter. <laughs> to, to extend the analogy, though, that we were talking about earlier, that idea that you went overseas and you, like, you know, had the break from your partner, but you were yeah. like, when we're back. And then you came back and yeah. you, you went out with them one time and you're like, Where's Charlie? Uh, oh, no, he went to New Zealand. <laughs> He's a monk now. Uh, but, yeah, so, look, it's, it's, it's just a simple case of, of they were shit and we were fitter. But it's um, I'm going to hang my hat on it. You know what? Like, I've seen a victory. It was nice to hear the song. And now I'm ready. I'm ready to start. This is like round one for me. We've started off with a win. I don't know what happened in the first 11 weeks, but we've had a win. And I feel like... A lot of the talk around it was like, has the, you know, is this, is this, has this released some pressure on Richo? I think Richo is safe to the end of the year, no matter what happens. Like, we could not win another game. I reckon they'll keep him. I'm not 100% convinced it's a Richo problem. And again, this is just a vibe kind of thing. <laughs> but I get, the, I just, I don't know, I get the sense that maybe, I think losing Nick Revolt and Joey Montaigne was a much bigger loss than the club had anticipated or, or planned to cover for. We have had a fair number of injuries this year, but I also just think that <clears throat> they have not come along as fast as the players are just in that, you know, 40 to 40 to 80 game bracket have not come along as fast as they would. And that may change next year. I mean, I'm not saying it will, but I, I don't feel like watching them. It's a complete catastrophe. Like I look at Carlton and go like, Oh Jesus or Gold Coast and feel like they have bigger problems. I think, we're just shit for this year, but this might be a plateau year. I don't know. I don't know. Well, I mean, I hope so. I hope it works out for you guys. I've I mean, it won't. You let me let me let me say this: it won't work out where we win a flag. I'm just saying we may not be as shit next year. Right. But I think what you'll see is a, they'll they'll keep Richo, they'll clean house. I'll probably get rid of all the assistants. And here's my fear: is one of the assistants, the new guys they'll bring in, will be Rob Harvey. As soon as St Kilda do, does that, forget it. We are never playing finals for another 10 years because if Rob Harvey comes to St Kilda as an assistant, as soon as things start going wrong, all the fucking like nostalgic Saint supporters will start going, put halves in, put halves in. Halves will want the job because he's an assistant because he eventually wants to be a senior coach. He'll come in. It'll be like when Kevin Bartlett went to Richmond or when Shimmer went to North or whatever. You don't bring those fucking guys in. Just don't do it. Especially, in the, maybe if you're Nathan Buckley and you've got the entire resources of Collingwood, but don't do it, St Kilda. Don't do it. This is, this is me looking at a, a relationship that could be doomed. I know it's romantic to get halves back, but don't do it. That's all I'm saying. Don't do it. I'm trying to talk the man out of a job. Well, here's what I would say, Charlie. Is firstly, what if he's a big listener? No. <laughs> uh, what about Buckley though? Like Buckley. Now you're starting to think, okay, well, th maybe this might work out okay. Maybe mm. it just takes a while. And maybe Nathan Buckley, you know, champion of this club, you know, its best player in the last 30 years, can also be the, you know, the guy that ends up winning them a premiership. Yeah. That's a good story. I but I think, I think Nathan Buckley, any other, if, if Nathan Buckley had, had been at any other club or if it had been any other player at any other club, he wouldn't have got the amount of second chances that he got through Eddie. I think that that was a special relationship. I don't know if Harves took over next year, for instance, 
and then we were shit for another five years, I don't think he would get like a sixth year on top of that. I don't even know he'd get to the five, to be honest. We love sacking coaches. Okay, but, but what about this? What if Richo came out and Richo announced, so they do a succession plan. Essentially, mm. they pull ruse it, right? And Richo yeah. says, I reckon I've got two more years left in me. I'm going to do the hard work to develop this list of where it is. But we're going to bring Rob Harvey in as the assistant. And I'm going to kind of be an overall manager. And Harves is going to, you know, Simon Goodwin style sort of yeah. kind of coach the team, do the majority of that. But so yeah. that it isn't that whole thing of Robert Harvey coming back to save St yeah. Kilda. It's yeah. like the two of them kind of do it together. So halves can just concentrate on coaching the boys and, uh, you know, Richo can do the press and do AFL 360 and sort of, you know, tell people yeah. that things are going pleasing. I mean, when you when you say Richo, can we make that Paul Ruse? Because then you've got to do that. <laughs> <laughs> For the right amount of money. And if you can Skype in every second week from Hawaii with Tammy. <laughs> and the boys. Uh, did you see the Richmond Geelong game? Uh, I saw some of the Richmond Geelong game. I uh, listened, well, I listened to uh, most of the game because it wasn't on free to air and I don't have Foxtel down here at the moment. So um, mm. I uh, hadn't also like thought about it. Like I, you know, I- You're I, enjoying, I could... enjoying a break from football, I think. Well, no, but the other thing was that day I actually was like, oh, you know, this this will be a good game. I'll watch that this afternoon because I tried to watch the night before the Hawthorne Adelaide game, and oh, yeah. um, oh man, like mm. half an hour in, like the World Cup came on, Australia playing France, and I went straight to that, and I thought I was going to flip between the two because I was like, Sean Burgoyne's three fiftieth, he's a really good player, and mm. you know, Hawthorne Adelaide should actually on paper be not a, a bad game. game, but. But there was fuck all people there. Jeff Kennett mm. got really mad about it. And there was like 25,000 or whatever. And it looked terrible. And then Adelaide are, no, are playing terribly. Mm. And Hawthorne were playing just okay. And I was like, you know what I'm going to watch? Soccer. I'm going to watch soccer. <laughs> <laughs> so that's my review of Saturday Night's Game of AFL. <laughs> They drove you to watch soccer. Yeah, Adelaide's, uh, you got to wonder if this all stems from that fucking crazy cultish camp they did at the start of the year, right? I love how camp focused the AFL is this year. If you're telling like a B story of the AFL, it's like a tale of camps. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, Adelaide had this like camp that is this, everyone's now blaming the camp on how the season has torn the club apart. They listened to the Richmond theme song over and over and, you know, they like did something that was culturally insensitive that essentially has, you know, disenfranchised their most exciting footballer from their club for no fucking reason. He was flying. Just, he should have just not gone on the camp. Yeah. You know what I would have done? I would have been like, Hey, we're going to have a camp at the start of the season because we think we should win the premiership. Here's who doesn't have to go. Eddie Betts, you're fine, <laughs> mate. You just stay home. Whatever you're doing, we don't want to fuck with it. Everything's fine, mate. And and so they're blaming it all on the camp, right? And yeah. then you've got Melbourne, the story of Melbourne who didn't go on their camp. Mm. And then you've got Nathan Buckley because the big thing at Collingwood is that Buckley went to Bali to a meditation retreat and you know did all yoga and meditation. And shit. Did he and now, really? Yeah, I haven't heard that one. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. Wow, Luke Darcy and his I, I wife. I love the idea of Bucks just having to be alone with his thoughts. Like, I mean, what does that look like? I just can't imagine it. Like, I mean, 
it's all about like meditation and yoga. It's all about letting go of control, releasing, not being focused. This is a dude who has trained his mind and body to reach like peak performance his entire life. And now he's been told just to let that all go. I would love it if he came back like completely changed. Like all of a sudden well, he's got like a ponytail. He's just, you know, just wearing like linen shirts and pants, no shoes. Turns up at the Lexus Center, just like leather sandals on. What I'm starting to feel, Charlie, is that you've been out of the country and haven't been keeping up with football because yeah. I'm about to blow your fucking mind. Oh, okay, let's do it. Because I'm here's what it. happened. <laughs> uh, Nathan Buckley, Luke Darcy and his wife uh, have a wellness retreat in Bali, which is all about meditation and yoga and, you know. Like, you know not, yeah. What not the fuck yet. is going on? <laughs> well, I thought footballers owned pubs. When do they start owning wellness centers? Well, I think, I don't know if the timeline's exactly right, but I right. know that because the Darcy's did own pubs and do own pubs. His brother and father and all that own pubs. And Darcy used to own a bunch of pubs. He might still own a couple, um, but I think he kind of has moved a bit out of the the pub business and into like, you know, the wellness business. He's massive on meditation. He gets up every morning to meditate. Like if he gets up 4.15 so he can meditate before work and stuff. He um, is working on all these programs to like help return servicemen and people who deal with like, you know, he has this real like holistic look at the world. So he has this like wellness retreat in Bali and Nathan Buckley and his wife Tanya went there and there's no alcohol. It's all about, you know, you're doing like, you know, yeah, all this sort of like, you know, mindfulness stuff. And apparently Bucks came back. All the players have been talking about it in interviews and stuff. He's come back a changed man. He's all like relaxed now. This is the secret of their success. And for the last six weeks or seven weeks, he's been growing this beard. Do you know about the beard? So he had a bet with the players and it's about some backline turnover, you know, nonsense. And as long as they don't do it every week, he'll keep growing the beard every week. And so now he's rocking this like, you know, salt I love this new Bucks. This is awesome. It is. It's the new relax. Like he went down the slide at the Freeze MND game an hour before the fucking game started. Nathan Buckley. Nathan Buckley agreed to go out and act like a fucking fool on a slide for charity an hour before his team ran out on fucking Queen's birthday in front of like 80,000 people. That's, that's who Nathan Buckley is now, Charlie. That is amazing. I love this new Nathan Buckley. So uh, Mike Hal has just put up a link to the retreat, which is called, oh, I'm going to, I always muck these pronunciations up, Sukhavati, Sukhavati, Sukhavati. Do you, as, as Das mentioned it to you before, is that how it's pronounced? I, I would not know how it's pronounced. Let's say Sukhavati, like- Sukhavati Retreat and Wellness. So there's a testimonial from Nathan and Tanya Buckley dated October 2017, and they say, In what was a brand new experience for us both, we were supported and encouraged throughout by the kind and caring nature of the staff, the knowledge of the doctors, and the connection with our crew. We loved it. We leave with a a different perspective to approach our health and that of our families. Thank you for the gift. Amazing. Not even one mention of a top five list. Right. Well, you know why? Because one of the things that he managed to tear up while he was there was his his obsession with top fives. Really? That that was one of the medi- like the things in the counselling. They were like, you know what? You can't meditate. You can't become mindful if you're constantly obsessed with ranking, ranking. things into fives, right? You, so amazing. what you've got to do is when an idea comes in, you've got to not rank it. You've got yeah. to 
acknowledge the idea, don't try to put it in a rank, and then yeah. let go of the idea. Things yeah. don't need to be measured against each other in lists, Nathan. And on the final day, he took his book of lists that he carries with him at all times, and he <laughs> tore it up, and he sprinkled it all over himself. I may be making some of the details of this up. I would love to get Richo onto this. In fact, I think that's what the, the board at St Kilda should be concentrating on. But for Richo, it would be separating him from the uses of the word positive and pleasing. That would be the big challenge for Richo, is can you complete a sentence without using one of those two words? Right, yeah, exactly. Uh, um, for example, Freddie Mercury was HIV. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird that you've gone with that one straight away, Doctor. Um, we should uh, we should take uh, t- take take care of some things now that we're back. We've let our uh, correspondence with the listeners fall by the wayside. We've got some uh, letters here dating back to uh, the middle of May, I guess, okay. when you were doing a, a, a podcast with Limo. Oh, yeah. People- so that's a good that's good because we know that was kind of the last time that there was one because we you, you couldn't do it one week and I was. For one week, I actually bothered to find someone else to do it, and then I lost interest also. <laughs> so. Much like the Bulldogs this season. Yeah. Uh, so this is from Craig Stevens. Hi, Will and Charlie. I'm partway listening through the latest podcast. I've arrived at work, so typing on my phone. It's more acceptable than having headphones on. And I was minded to get in touch about a couple of issues that Will and Limo have discussed. Firstly umpiring can now what did you, should you remind everyone what you talked about with the umpiring can you remember what you said i mean i don't know can remember i can't remember what i okay. said uh, you know what here's what i guess it might have been uh because it's something that i've been thinking about a lot recently is how harshly we judge our umpires in our mm-hmm. game like there is so much commentary over like one bad decision in a game yeah. that is almost unumpirable and where the rules change every fucking week and where there are so many variables that can happen in every fucking situation. Like, so A, A, it's a miracle that anyone can fucking umpire it at all. And then, and B, to then judge something that has such a high degree of difficulty. You know what it's like? Getting mad at umpires for getting a decision wrong is like getting mad at traffic being bad. If traffic Mm. is bad every week, like every day traffic is bad. So you can get mad, but like it's the same every day. You're getting mad at the same shit it was yesterday. If you mm. actually your brain work properly, you go, actually, you know what? Like the umpires are going to make three or four mistakes a game. That's actually yeah. how a game is umpired. And we've just got to be cool with the fact, okay, they were the three or four mistakes they made this week. They're going to make three or four mistakes. The players make three or four mistakes every fucking week. Why can't the umpires who are like, there's only like four of them and they're doing all these fucking things. They have to sprint and make these decisions. And then I was, I think we were extrapolating by the idea of people getting mad at local football. Like Mm. for this game to be played, we need umpires, right? For this game to be played, this game that we love, we need people to love umpiring it and to contribute to that. And the better umpires you can get is by saying, giving people a break. Oh, hang on. That 15-year-old kid umpiring his third game at fucking junior level in sale didn't make a split-second decision that an AFL umpire wouldn't have either. Fuck, yeah, fuck that kid. (laughs) We should boo him and hate him and yell shit at him. Fuck him for what he's doing, facilitating this game we all love. Do you ever follow Grant Thomas's frequent uh, mutterings about umpires? Like, he hates them. 
Like he hates him so much. Like he's like, talk about old man like yells at cloud. Like he'll often tweet that he's watching a game. And he's like, well, why are the umpires talking to the players? Their job is just to adjudicate. Adjudicate and say nothing else. It's like, yeah, God forbid anyone should go to their job and actually enjoy themselves and like indulge in a oh. bit of banter with some other professional athletes. I mean, says a man who can't stop spouting free opinions <laughs> on Twitter, a thing that has no reason to exist. You're right. They have no right to have their own identity. People who are facilitating our game and contributing to it in a massive fucking way. Fuck off, you angry old man on Twitter. These guys are paid professionals who umpire our game that we love every fucking week and you're an angry old man yelling at fucking clouds. Now I'm yelling at you. I'm no better than you, Grant Thomas. Craig Stevens continues. Firstly, umpiring. I am one of the two umpires in Scotland. Wow, I've just come from Scotland. That would be a hard country to umpire in. And I'm always amused at how visceral the reactions are to my decisions. At the level that most of the players are, how they expect me to be as good as an AFL umpire when that is the level I'm at too, just makes me laugh on occasion. There you go. Right to your point, Will. Also, the temptation to give my footy CV. Played, watched, umpired, coached very badly, club treasurer and president over the last 35 years. To someone in his first or in his or her first game, it's very hard to resist when they tell me I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> oh. I also don't run a marathon during the 80 minutes we play here. There's no time on, but I regularly clock up to six or seven kilometers on a rugby pitch as we play nine aside. It was good to hear fans actually understanding that umpiring football is more about letting the game be played than enforcing the laws. Okay. Well, that uh, that is one of my sincere beliefs, and it's something that pisses me off when people criticise umpires for getting one split-second decision wrong in a game of having to constantly make split-second decisions. But having said that, like, do you never indulge in a bit of, like, boo or, like, open your eyes or, you know, nice goal umpire when they get a free kick or something like that? Do you never indulge in any of that stuff? Like WWE cheering the heel kind of shit? I can't say that I have never done it because... You know, look, you know, we've all probably done things that, you know, <laughs> just to see if we liked them. You know, you try yeah. them and then you go, ah, that's not really for me. Um, no. I mm. Like, I'll, you know, like, oh, that's a bad decision sort of thing. But no, not yeah. sort of, you're a shit umpire. I've never known, like, which umpires which. I don't have any idea of, like, oh, we've got uh, that umpire this weekend. They're no good against. Like, I yeah. have no fucking That's a whole... Or- Nothing. There, that, that's no. a whole community unto itself. Like, if you spend enough time on Big Footy or any of the club supporter forums, like, they, there are people convinced, specifically convinced, like, especially in the St Kilda Forum, there is a subset of people who are convinced that the AFL are directing the umpires specifically to undermine St Kilda in games, and they have been doing it for 114 years, as if it's in the best interest of the AFL to do that. Like it's some kind of like society, community we live in, and they're like deliberately targeting us as the underclass. I mean, it feels like a Tom Hanks movie. That's what it feels like. It feels like Tom Hanks goes undercover at the AFL to expose the fucking conspiracy against the Secure Football Club. There was an umpire in the early 90s. I think his name was Ian Clayton. And I was convinced that he had it in for us because there was a game against the Blues at Princess Park where Stewie Lowe could not get a free kick. John Doradich was all over him, hands in the back, you know, behind play. And 
this, this Ian Clayton wouldn't pay one free kick. And I became obsessed with this dude. Like, I would look for his name each week to see which games he was umpiring. And then I would check, like, the free kick counts and see, like, oh, does he favour certain players? Like, I, as a 14-year-old, I had the red string virtually going around my room because I was convinced that when it came back that this guy had been directed to play free kicks against St Kilda. Yeah, I've never been that person. In fact, like the only umpire I could name is Ray Chamberlain. Chelsea Roffey. Um, there's got to be another one. Ray Cham- Razor Ray. You only remember that because the nickname. Chelsea yeah. Roffey. Um, what about... God, I can't think of one either. There must be... An- oh, um, Lee Fisher. He used to play for St Kilda. Does he still umpire? Yeah. Yeah, he's still okay. umpiring. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Craig Stevens. I mean, can t- I say all this stuff about how we should respect them, but I couldn't name more than my two. So I guess. Craig no Stevens conti- continues with Sockgate info. When I was a uni student in the mid to n- uh, late 90s, a mate of mine was firstly on a supplementary list and subsequently got drafted. His house was festooned with socks from the club he played for, as after every training session and match, his socks found their way into his bag. From memory, that was 20 years ago. He was supposed to hand the socks back, which is why he got a new pair every session. Some may have previously been worn, probably the training pairs, but the game day were new. Great show. Love listening to it on the other side of the world and even get the odd looks from fellow communities on the train to Glasgow uh, as, I, as I contort with laughter. <laughs> Thanks, Craig. There um, you go. So, well, Charlie, so, we did miss a, a sock-related moment while you're away the bulldogs were playing over in adelaide and uh what happened was uh it was very rainy it was very wet and rainy and the bulldogs were no good and it turns out adelaide are no good so it turns out we were really really no good and uh at half time they did get uh new socks new socks straight out of the packet that was going to be uh, the next. I have quite a few messages <laughs> from listeners who have who sent us video links of players opening fresh socks. Uh, Scott Connor just saw a Western Bulldogs player opening a fresh packet of socks and putting them on at halftime due to the pool they're playing in tonight. Hashtag Sockgate. Hashtag Fuck Yeah. Uh, this is from Jeremy Michael Caesar. Hashtag Sockgate. Hi, guys. Whisper here from the west of Melbourne. I have an informal, I have a formal inside word through a connection with a certain Collingwood star who started his career at the Giants that both the Pies and the Giants handle the washing of all socks and other players' items. I dream of a world in which we can map the washing habits of all 18 clubs. I mean, that's what the Cola should have gone to. That's yeah. what I really think. Like the coalition, we talk about equalization in the AFL. I would say it starts with, it's like the New York City's broken windows policy. Do you remember that where they no, were basically like, okay, so it was when they cleaned up crime in New York and the policy, and it has its critics and there are reasons for it, but that's, it, this is not the podcast for that. Uh, it was called broken windows. And the <laughs> idea was that you would persecute, you'd let people live their life pretty freely, but when they fucked up, you hit them hard. So basically, if you fix the broken windows, then you fix everything else kind of from there onwards. Right. And I think, I think with equalization, it starts with socks. That's, I think that's what we're saying is like, we can't have an equal AFL until at the very least, every club has the same access to facilities for sock washing. I think so. I mean, I think that. Unless we can, what we what we need to work out though is what is better is it to have the washing machine 
Because it, we, the, the interstate problem, the interstate travel is the issue, right? Like, are there, is there a floating centre, like in New South Wales, Victoria, Western Australia, Adelaide, where teams can wash their socks before they fly them back? Or are we saying you have to travel, if you have to do that five-hour flight from Perth with dirty socks in your bag, I mean, is that fair? Well, they do. I don't, I don't know if it is fair. Like, I feel like there should be some centralised washing agency where independent washers, like people who've been raised for only from interstate, people who don't follow a team, you know, naturally, yeah. and they have to swear like independence, and then they are responsible for the care swear of every yes, and then they're responsible for the care of everybody's, uh, you know, kind of laundry in an equal way, and it's just distributed on game day from a centralised factory. Yeah, that makes sense. From my AFL so- house. More Sockgate news. Matthew McPhee <laughs> says, Boys, shit, I believe that I'm a typical listener, but a mature age one. Well, we welcome okay. listeners of all ages at this show. It's true. Love, love footy and Except find your lack 39. of football. <laughs> love your footy and, and find your lack of football knowledge refreshing. Yes, thank you. My so one, refreshing. My one whinge is that I had to sign up to Facebook, et cetera, to contact you. Okay, I guess there maybe are other ways, but some of us are hating the digital age. Boys, way, boys, way, not old fan friendly. Boys, way, not old fan friendly. I'm sure that's a typo, but I can't actually decipher what he actually meant. (laughs) It's his first time on the internet, Charlie. Cut him a break. (laughs) Anyway, Sockgate. Before the Blues-Pies game, I took my son on the MCG tour and did notice the washing machines in the dressing rooms. Maybe the away teams are washing their socks at the ground. Love the pod, but a little more Blues chat would be great. And how's that Nat Fife going? He's going well. He's going well. Well, that's interesting. So he's saying like the MCG, they've got, they've got like just general washing machines for anyone. So you don't have to take the big stinky socks back. The grounds provide the, the washing machines. Yeah, but how quickly can you turn around? I suppose you could like at least give them a rudimentary wash. Like yeah. everyone gets long, their clothes how off. Your, how long's your warm down and your post match address going to take? Like what? An hour? It feels like an hour. Well, here's something that. I, how does it work? Explain to me. This will be fun. Because yeah. I don't know, by the way, but I, I want to know what you, because it's one of those things that you think you should know and yeah. maybe we'll be able to compile together, but I'm interested in, which is explain to me what happens if you're a player yeah. from the minute the final siren of the game is blown until yeah. you go home. Okay, right. So the siren goes, you shake hands with your opponent, you talk about mm-hmm. setting up a t-shirt business. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm assuming we won. That's because there's more to do if we won. So Why you, not? Yeah. You go, uh, you huddle with your other teammates. Um, someone brings out some footballs. You go and sign those footballs. You jog over to the boundary line. You pick out a particularly cute kid and you hand the ball to them. You don't handball it or kick it or anything like that. You pick out one kid and you hand it to them. Uh, then you jog a sort of semi-lap, like a quarter lap, doing a fairly uncommitted high five. Like, because you don't know. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure you want a high five. You don't want a high five. After a grand final is different, but just after a win, you don't know who the, where these people have been or what they've been touching all game. So you're going to just a very limp-wristed high five as you jog the boundary. Then you uh, get into the race, try and avoid looking directly at the Channel 7 cameras <laughs> as they trail back with you. Uh, you get led in to your change rooms past an assembled group of about... 
50, 40 to 50 people. If it's a Bulldogs win, chances are that Will and I will be there, <laughs> pressed up against the, the net. If it's a Saints win, chances are that I'll be there because I've come down to Melbourne to, to see the game. Uh, so you'll have to put up with one of, uh, one of us taking w- creepy photos of you as you do your stretch down. So you do your, your warm down. <laughs> Um, you peel off your socks, you take off your tape, you put on your You ice. do your warm down while a bunch of C and D list celebrities <laughs> yes. linger awkwardly taking photos of you. Yeah, exactly. Trying to get your attention. Uh, someone brings around a tray full of like lollies, like jubes and um, snakes and that kind of stuff. Glucose rich oh, yeah. sweets. Yeah. Um, most players tend to... Oh, then you look for which one of your teammates is doing an interview... And you ball up your tape and you throw it at their head as hard as you can. Um, you may look to the to the the general public. You may see family member or friend that you know. So you come over and say hello to that person. Um, then I assume so. You've peeled off your socks at this point. Right. I'm just gonna. Okay. This is the so I'm this is the, important. The most creative. So this- Creative yeah, license. But, but this moment is important. This is yeah. our, you know, this is our constant. This is what this we're is leading to. Anchor. This is what we're leading to. Is that up until this point, I've enjoyed everything that you've explained. Oh, hang on. Sorry. We, we missed the bloody singing the song and the bukkake. So that happens beforehand. Oh, so, so you've still got your socks on? Yeah, yeah. So you've still got your boots on. So we've come in. Okay. Let me just rewind right. a bit. Yep. So you come in past yep. the creepy D-level celebrities trying to get your photos. You walk past them. You get into the center of the room. Uh, you, 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 you sing the song, you may be like Bukaki, your first year player. If it's been a particularly stirring win, you maybe get one of the boot stutters in or your coach, even get your coach in. Uh, if it's been a particularly stirring win, then you break off to, to get undressed. And this is where, and so you kick off your boots. And I'd say that you, at the same time as you, you got to take off your boots, take off your socks because you got to get to your ankle strapping. Now, I'm thinking, because I've been in a change room a few times, I haven't seen a lady with a wash basket or a man with a wash basket walking around, (laughs) picking up socks. But I assume that when the players take off their socks, they just leave them in a neat pile. So leave your boots and your socks in a neat pile on the floor next to where you're stretching and warming down. So when the players then get called into their post-match meeting, someone comes through and collects the boots and the socks. Would that be correct? See, the more that we think about this, the more questions I have about this. <laughs> it's one of those things that I thought we were done with. But honestly, I have so many more questions. I now need to know the process in the clubs that where you're not taking your own socks home, right? So if yeah. you're taking your own socks home, you're putting them in your bag, you're taking them home. We all understand yeah. how that process works, right? Yeah. What happens after that is still a mystery for me, to me that I want to explore. But yeah. uh, in the clubs where someone else is washing them for you, yeah. How does the sock get from your foot to the person who's washing it for you? I need to know that process. I, I yeah. Let, if anyone has info on that, I mean, I'm assuming it just to me makes the most sense logically because I've seen how they conduct, you know, a post-match meeting and stuff. Like the players are literally after the song, they're there for about ten to fifteen minutes, media commitments, say hello to your family, do a bit of a stretch, and then they're called into a private room to have their post-match address. So if I'm thinking if I'm the football director or whoever is in charge of this, I would tell the players that when you've taken off your boots and your socks, just leave them in a neat pile and we'll come through and take care of them. We'll come. The boot starter is going to come get all the boots. He's going to clean them, restart them, whatever. And the laundry person is going to get all your socks, put them in a big laundry bag. In my imagination, it's a big canvas bag, uh, you know, to, so one that contains odour. 
and they put it all in the bag and they either take it to the laundry at the ground or they take it back to their home ground to wash. I mean, technically, I reckon you could do, if you had enough washing machines, you could do a whole load of like socks because it's just socks. Maybe it's socks and shorts or whatever, but you know, if it's been a dirty day. But you could like do enough to get it clean enough to take back home in the right circumstances while the coach was talking and they're doing the post-match interviews. Easy. And Easy. the truth is, you don't, you don't have to leave with the players. No. They can let you out half an hour. Like, like, let's say there's after a game, there's like an hour and a half, two hours that people still have to be at the ground. You yeah. could get the players to get their socks off pretty much immediately and then you've got time to wash them and dry them at least enough to then get them back home in a sanitary condition and then, you know, have, maybe have another wash of them if you want it. Question. Okay. In the wash, do you add fabric softener? Oh. Maybe that's an, like an instruction from the coach. If you're having a bad run, he just comes down and starts yelling at the laundry person, too much fluffy. <laughs> it's a serious question because it is a question of comfort. But maybe yeah. like you won't get enough grip because, I mean, I know when I haven't used fabric softener, like, you know, my clothes come back real stiff and scratchy. It's not the most comfortable. You want the, you don't want these players thinking about how itchy and scratchy their feet are. You want them to, th- you know, you want them to be comfortable, but you don't want too much fabric softener because they might, their f- foot might slide around inside the boot. Uh, I reckon they have like a whole bunch of scientists working on, you know, what all that stuff works. No, honestly, because I was doing a photo shoot for the radio the other day and it was like a ridiculous, you know, get dressed up as, you know, people photo shoot. And yeah. one of the things that we were doing was like a footy. Um, uh, so, uh, Eddie was in Joffa's, you know, gold jacket yeah. and Darcy's yeah. stref- dressed up in a, like a Bulldogs, you know, fan sort of, you know, outfit. And I'm dressed up as an AFL umpire, but they yep. had a legitimate AFL umpire's uniform yeah. for me to wear. And so they got it from the AFL. It was like literally the one that they wear, like to play the games. And it was like, if I could get all my clothes made out of that, that's all oh, I'd ever really? wear. It was so comfortable. It was kind of lightweight, but still felt like it didn't. It was just I don't know what the fuck it's made out of. I assume NASA's involved in some way. But hang on, let let me just visualize. So um, umpires they wear like their so is goal umpire or field umpire? This is field umpire. So like the oh, yellow okay. shirt, so, green so shorts, sort shirt of like green shorts. Yeah, so, but it's made out of some sort of like what you imagine tennis players' outfits or whatever are made out of, and it was like so like comfortable. Any gym gear, right? No. Yes. Like like, okay. So right. yeah, like gym gear, but yeah. like in the same way as like if you've only if you like drunk twenty five dollar bottle of wine and you're like, oh, that's really good wine, and then one day someone lets you have a sip of their nine hundred dollar glass wine yeah. and you're like, oh, I didn't really know what wine was. <laughs> I apologize. I'm so sorry. <laughs> like it's a bit like that to gym gear. What gym gear was to this, <laughs> it, you know, it's like somebody who has an Instagram account calling themselves a model. To actually Giselle. Like, that's the difference. (laughs) We've got a whisper from the West, Will. Okay, great. Chris M. John, whisper from the West. I ran into Stephen Silvani at Crown Perth the morning of Saturday the 8th of June. Politely declined a photo with me, and then he smirked and walked off when I asked if he was meeting Andrew Gaff. Oh, yeah, nice. Good. Good Side note, he's a surprisingly large and imposing human. Extra note, Nat Fife is very good at football. Nat Fife is very good at football. Oh, did you see that story? Are we getting to that story about him this week? Did you um, see the story about him oh, this about week? About him not, not knowing players' names? 
that he didn't know some of his teammates' names. Yeah. Charlie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, has there ever been a more Nat 5 thing than Nat 5 not knowing the names of his teammates? Well, it's funny you should bring up Nat 5 because our last whisper from the West uh, is from Zoe Bryan. And she says, as the president of the Fife Thirst Club, I I feel it's my responsibility to fact check your latest episode, RE Nat 5 wearing glasses. Because I think we speculated that he's wearing fashion specs. You know what? I would like to say that I was really only asking the question. I was like, because if, if he does wear glasses then I want to know what his game day situation is. Is he going out there blurry? Like, is he that good even though he can't see properly? Or is he wearing contacts out on the ground? Like, could he get goggles? Like, I have a lot of questions if he... Anyway, you go on, please. I know. All I'm saying is... uh, So she's sent us a link. I'll just give it to you now. She sent us to a link to a video, which is like a Dockers um, Club video, where he mentions that he wears glasses. Should we watch it now? Yeah. Let's do it. Okay. How does this work? Uh, just Can on the count of three, press play. play. <laughs> okay. All right. Are we going uh, from three downwards or? Hang on. I'm just opening my web page. Okay. You tell me when yours is open. Oh, I've got an ad. Yeah. Oh, maybe I'll you get got an ad as well. Hang on. Sorry. It turns out I've done mine slower than yours. It's oh, you right. know what we probably should do? What? Oh, no. Let's just watch it. Who fucking guess? Okay. <laughs> What's your ad? Mine's about the World Cup. Mine's about the World Cup too. Vodafone. Oh my God. Spooky. All right. All right. So we're about to watch a a bit that's called The Burning Question with the Frio Dockers. All right. Ready, set, and go. Oh, this is old. This is old. What year is this from? 2012. Okay. So it's six years old. Yeah. All right. Stop. We'll just pause there. So what Nat Five? the first question uh, was, tell people something that they don't know about you. Nat Five was the first one to answer. He said he's a Catholic and he wears reading glasses. So here's my, okay, here's what I'd say about that. When Nat Five was walking down the street to his tribunal appearance, he was not reading. Like, so my point remains, does he have to wear glasses to walk down the street? Or is he bunged on the reading glasses to walk down the street? And he was like looking at the world a bit foggy. Well, I think it's been six years. I mean, could his eyesight have declined so badly in the intervening six years that it used to just be for reading and now it's for walking down the street? Well, if it's for walking down the street, then it's got to be for playing football, surely. Yeah. Yeah, if you need... Yeah, you're right. Like, if he can't... If he needs... Glasses to see what colour the lights are when he's crossing the street. You'd think you'd need yeah. it to hit a target. No wonder he doesn't know his teammates' names. You can't actually do, differentiate their faces. <laughs> yeah, that story about him not knowing the names was quite great. And was it? What is, was it? It was on a leadership camp. I believe they were doing those yeah. things where they take the first year players away. And one of the first years said, "Like, I will buy you a slab if you can name all nine players." <laughs> and he got like two right. He was like, uh, yeah, you're the guy who can't kick properly. You're the guy who can't handball. You're the guy we're going to delist in a year. Yeah. i got to be honest with you. When I read that, I was like, oh, well, he got two right. <laughs> that was actually like at least one more than I thought he probably would. That is like the worst thing you can do. I mean, I could have anyone in any of my work situations oh. that I've been at, if I had someone stop me and ask me to name like nine random people, I would fucking struggle too. 
I could be at something with like, say, I could be at my 40th birthday <laughs> where everyone in that room has been invited there because there's someone special in my life. And if you stop me and on the spot said, go around the room and name everyone, even if I knew all their names and had loved them, you know, in my life, on the spot in that moment, I get two wrong. Minimum. Yeah, for sure. Last letter is a long one, but it's a goodie. Okay. This is from Chris Jones. Hey guys, long time listener, first time caller. Well, not that long to be truthful. A friend only put me onto you earlier this year. I'm sorry about that. Apologize. <laughs> but I did listen right the way through your season preview, so I really do feel like I've listened to you for years. Literally. I am also proudly donating $1. Just jumped on board, already hates us. <laughs> I also proudly donated a dollar a month to Tofop. And can tell you it's worth every cent of my 25 cents a week. Yes, we should uh, uh, point out to people listening to this show, if you would like to support the show, we don't have an advertiser at the moment. We're hoping to change that in the back half of the season. Um, but if you want to support us, you can go to um, patreon.com forward slash TOFOP. That's T-O-F-O-P. TOFOP is our other podcast. It's our sort of podcast network in a way. Um, but you can go there and you can uh, uh, donate any amount from a dollar like Chris has done up to $180, up to a million dollars if you want. I don't know why I picked 180. That was just an arbitrary number. Um, no salary cap. No salary cap. Uh, and it's, it's just a way that enables Will and I to, to pay my cal to monitor this call, to mix and put up the episodes. Just basically means we can put out a show when we're in the same country. Yeah. Yeah, barely. That we can barely put out a show. Please support us barely putting out a show. Chris continues. Oh, can I mention just while we're yeah. talking about podcasts, because I might forget by the end, that um, the Outer Sanctum podcast, we love uh, Junk Time AFL, but the Outer Sanctum is another podcast we love. And uh, they are having a live show, which is next Wednesday night, the 27th, or I think it might be. And um, uh, it's uh, you'll find all the details at the Outer Sanctum podcast, but I am the guest on that live podcast. So if people want to come down and see me uh, talk about footy with people who actually know more about footy than we do, uh, then that's next week in Melbourne. Chris continues. I'm the editor of the Mercury newspaper in Tasmania. Will, I was listening to your Hang discussion on, with Limo about everyone's second what? What did he say? Who is he? He's the editor of the Mercury newspaper in Tasmania. Okay. All right. <laughs> wow. We're moving in those circles now, Will. <laughs> wow. I just feel like he should have something better to do with his time. I was listening to your discussion with Limo about everyone's second team, and it got me thinking that what we really need as footy fans is a single second team we can all agree on, that there's oh. far too much discrepancy as it is. So here's my idea. Bulldoze the Gold Coast into the sea. Well, that's your idea. Relocate the Suns, a license to Tassie. We'd clearly need a new name. More on that in a moment. And boom, everyone's got a second favourite team, the Tassie team. It's your lock of the week right there. So far, I'm in. Like, he, he had me at Bulldoze the Gold Coast. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Uh, uh, Chambo from Junk Times living with me at the moment, and we are just chatting the other day about all things football and all things uh, football podcast listeners. And we realised that we had the same Gold Coast, angry Gold Coast supporter getting in touch with both our programs, the Slammers bagging the Gold Coast. <laughs> I mean, good on him. Like, what I love about that is he clearly listened to, like, our podcast. He was like, oh, they're always talking about bulldozing the Gold Coast of the ocean. I'm never going to listen to these guys again. Ah, time to listen to junk time. He's <laughs> like, God damn it. Can't I listen to one podcast? 
that doesn't talk about dumping my team into the ocean. <laughs> uh, anyway, Chris continues. I'm not alone in thinking this. Just last week, and this is a few weeks ago because I've only just uh-huh. got to this email. Lethal Lee Matthews said he. Be- Lethal Lee Matthews uh, in brackets could be Will's father. Should be Will's father. <laughs> said he believes it's now inevitable that Tassie will get its own team and that the Gold Coast experiment should be reconsidered. Mick Malthouse has weighed in too. He reckons the Gold Coast doesn't deserve a team and that Tassie does. And they're right, of course. But those guys actually know what they're talking about. What we need is more support from people who don't really know what they're talking about. <laughs> Which is why I'm writing to you. Now, with this in mind... We did ask the Prime Minister when he was down here last time. He said he does hope that Tasmania gets its own team. And he quotes, If enthusiasm and passion count for anything, you will get your own team. The PM also said, It's part of Tasmania's way of life. You couldn't imagine the AFL without the contribution of Tasmania or Tasmanians. He said, reading from notes prepared by someone who actually knows something about AFL. That was my own little editorial. (laughs) Like, there's no way Malcolm Turnbull has any idea about the history of Tasmanians in the AFL. <laughs> Absolutely none. Like, zero. He knows, this, he knows the Sydney team is named after a bird. He's not sure what. That would be the best gotcha. If you really want to make Malcolm Turnbull look like an idiot, the gotcha would be at the National Press Club when he's talking about tax cuts or whatever and he's been briefed perfectly on tax cuts. Just get up and randomly, like Laurie Oaks just stands up in the middle of it and goes, hey, I saw you were at the AFL the other day on the weekend. Name 10 Sydney Swans players. <laughs> and then just roll record for the next 45 minutes for what, and they like agree with all the other journalists that no one else would ask him a question until he could do it. Because if he wasn't briefed on it, he would have no idea. No anyway, idea. Go on, Charlie. Anyway. As Nick Revolt would say, Malcolm Turnbull is absolutely right. Here are just some of the legendary names that come out of Tassie for you to discuss. Rodney Aid, Rocket, world's angriest man. Did you hear like Rocket Aid? Uh, Fitz's story about Rocket uh, when he was playing at the Swans when he was on junk time? Oh, I haven't heard that episode yet. Uh, yeah. Apparently, Rocket. Well, go, go and check it out. <laughs> well, I, I, I've told you before. We've talked about this on the podcast before, but. The first time I met Rocket when he was coaching the Bulldogs and I was oh, doing course. something at a function of theirs. And uh, he was already on stage making his speech uh, when I got there. And when he came off stage, um, we were sitting down the front of this big function and like he, he's trying to introduce himself and be very nice. Like my experience of him was very nice. But mm. um, in one of those rooms when someone else is speaking, sometimes to create intimacy, you'll touch the other person. So he put his hand on my knee and it was clearly just to like... You know, it was in a footy player way, like I'm giving you, like, yeah, we're having a tiny little chat, but not trying to distract anybody else. But then we kept talking for about 20 minutes. And there was just a point where I was like, his hand is still on my knee. And I just met this guy. I'm just, I'm just, and I don't know even what the point of that story is. But the point of that, oh, the point of that story is Rodney Edge from Tasmania. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> Other players include Michael Roach, Mark of the Century. I don't really have much memory. Yeah. What do you, what, what's your opinion on Michael Roach? Good player, but not Mark of the Century. What? what, what I don't even know the Mark. Oh, yeah, I do know the big Mark. Where is it? Yeah, okay. Uh, Paul Williams, ex-Swan and Pie, I believe. He's oh, a coach oh, now, gee. I think. Is that right? Yeah, I know, but it feels like a bit early to have to have gone to Paul Williams. 
And Paul Williams was um, on the Muppet Show, wasn't he? The guy, that little short guy, <laughs> blonde bald haired cat. You know what I'm talking about? No, Paul Williams, the celebrity. He's always a judge on the Gong Show and shows like that from the seventy. Anyway, that's an absurd none reference. of what you're saying is helping me remember him. <laughs> okay, uh, Nick Revolt, Peter Hutto Hudson, who before Night Five came along uh, was probably the most famous helicopter associated player in the AFL. Uh, number twenty six, Royce Hart, rhymes with fart. <laughs> Is this all in the editor from the Hobart Mercury's email to no, us? No, no, no. I'm naming the players and we're, th- we're just bringing up stuff we know about. Them. Oh, that's right. I forgot that that was the premise of this bit. Yeah, no, Royce yeah. Hart was amazing. Um, yeah. yeah. Rhymes with fart. <laughs> Kevin Hart's dead? I don't know. <laughs> uh, Ian Stewart, and he's put in brackets three Brownlows. And I've three told time, the story. Three time Brownlow medalist. Yeah, I've told this story many times. Ian Stewart um, lived on my street as a kid, so he was my neighbour. Uh, often would see, uh, you know, the cops driving Ian Stewart home after a big night down at the uh, the, the the Brighton the Brighton pubs. Uh, the cops would just give him a, a gentle lift home. You know, not like a not like a serious thing, just more like. You probably shouldn't drive in. We'll give you a lift time. wasn't uncommon to see yeah. him getting dropped off by his own personal taxi service, the Victoria Police. <laughs> Bloober. Um, what I love, uh, uh, you know, a lot of people don't know this, but Booker T in the wrestling used to go out and he'd do the five-time because he was the five-time champion. And uh, Ian Stewart used to do that three-time. He'd go out yeah. onto the ground before games, just like three-time. I've got some video of Booker. Booker T actually made a visit to Seaford a couple of years ago and did the really? did the five time, five time, five time. Yeah, I mean, I think it was I embarrassing. Mean, I've said it before on the podcast, Charlie, but though that is the sort of history that you forget when you move back from Seaford. <laughs> I say get back to Seaford. <laughs> you know, I mean, how can these younger generation of players? Like, draw on the memory of the time that Booker T came down to Seaford to talk to the Saints if they're not at Seaford. Yeah, it's a good point. Proud <laughs> history. Uh, Daryl the Doc Baldock, Premiership captain. Yeah. Darren Pritchard, great mullet. He was of that 89, like late 80s, early 90s era, yeah. unstoppable Hawthorne, real good mullet. He's a flighty wingman, I believe. That's my memory of him. Yeah, wingman, sort of flanker. Yeah, but that sort of like, and he, yeah, he looked like a player. mini. He looked like a mini Jason Gary Johnson. Ears. Oh, like Gary mini Gary Ears. That's even yeah, better. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know what they had? They kind of had three of them because Dunstall beat when he had the mullet as well. They kind of had like, if they had to play brothers in a film, like they were hillbilly brothers in a film. You you yeah. buy all those three as characters. A hundred percent. Matthew Richo Richardson, of course, everyone knows. Very proud, passionate Tasmanian. Lynchy. I'm assuming Alice. They were like Lynch. an episode of Fargo. That's what I'm thinking. You're right. Jason Dunstall, Gary Ayres, and Darren Pritchard were an episode yeah. of Fargo. So, so, like, mentally challenged brothers, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, the one kind of, like, out of shape, but more, like, you know, schemey, smart one. Yeah. The kind uh, so of manly Thor-type character. He's just written Lynchy here. I'm, assu- I'm assuming that's Alastair Lynch, right? He's a Tasmanian. That makes sense. Sure. Why not? Lynchy. Who else would it be? Name me another famous Lynchy. It was not going to be Tom, um, one of the Tom Lynches. Tom Lynch. They're not, they're not Lynchies, are they? Is no. Alistair Lynch, is he, is it accepted that he's Lynchy? I don't know. Google Alistair Lynch and see what his nickname is. Google Can you do that? Alistair Lynch nickname. Yeah, thanks, Michael. Can you do that? We'll keep going with the celebrity from Tassie. 
Ben Brown, of course, our current favourite Tasmanian player. Yeah, uh, well, he's the one who's bringing it back. He's bringing yeah. Tassie back. Yeah, well, he looks he's your like, franchise player. Like yeah. he could write his own check. You need to if you could get Ben Brown to be like the spearhead of the Tasmanian team, then that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I mean Ben Brown looks like what we all think Tasmanians look like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, Lynchy. There you go. All right. Okay. Well, let's go with Lynchy then. Al- probably Alistair Lynch. Jack Revolt, of course, cousin of Nick. And then a surprising entry, which, uh, my cow, while you still got your fingers on the keyboard, Mark the Little Frenchman Lacroix. Now he's Hang put on, an aster- what? He's put an asterisk next to that uh, and he's gone. I'm not 100% who? sure about this. But, my cow, can you do a bit of digging on Mark the Little Frenchman Lacroix and find out Let's if- find out where he's from. Uh-huh, he hails from another island. I mean, that w- I would love, because you know what? If the Frenchman could go back to coach, right? Yes. The Frenchman coaches and yep. like he's mastering move, like m- much like Nathan Buckley's yoga and meditation. Like yeah. his thing is that uh, when he needs the boys to kind of lighten up, he speaks to them in French. Yeah. Well, not only that, but like Tasmania has become this hub for produce. Like they do wine oh, yes. now, whiskey, yeah. cheeses. Great cheeses. Everything there that Marc Lacroix would want in his retirement. Ooh la la. Ah, the wine, the cheese, it is also good. La, 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 la. Boys. I mean, the analog- <laughs> they've got like, you know, so many, like they're great. Mona. They've, got, they've got Mona and Dark Mofo. Yeah. And like, I could see a little Frenchman being very happy there. The Frenchman taking all the boys to a bonding night at Dark Mofo. <laughs> see some upside down crosses. <laughs> uh, Chris says, I suppose though it's no. inevitable. We have produced a long list of stars. After all, we started playing the game here in 1864, and yet we remain the only state not to have its own AFL team. That doesn't make a lot of sense to us. I assume it's the same for you guys, question mark? Uh, we, mm. We've talked about this before. I'm sure we did an episode where we talked about we'd be way into having a Tassie team. Uh, yeah, no, I, mean, I think yeah, national competition, team in Tasmania, it makes a lot of sense. I would have thought it would have made sense for a team to relocate, but I get why teams don't want to. So... Um, I guess Tassie having question. its own team, you've got to combine that the big issue is that the, like Tassie's small and it needs the entire state to get behind it, but they hate each other. They're like still old school fucking, you know, like warring with each other from, you know, major, well, major city to major city. Yeah. Maybe, uh, this is Chris continuing, maybe it's because Gillen McLaughlin doesn't know where we are. If he's listening, and God, I hope he is. We started, uh, can you pass on that Tasmania is about 1,600 kilometres due south of the Gold Coast? If he's still confused, can you tell him he could see us if he looked out the back window of the plane, if it had one, next time he flies out to China to watch the Suns play there? Woo! A little bit of curry for the boss. Some of the snow off Cradle Mountain just melted because of that sweet burn. So, Charlie, I would love if there was games in Tasmania. The spirit of Tasmania leaves from the end of my street. If there was mm. Tassie games, I'd love the idea of, like, going down the... How long does it take on the spirit of Tasmania to get to Tasmania? Uh, I don't know. Michael, can you look that up? <laughs> how long does it take <laughs> to sail from Melbourne to Tassie? I'm going to say a day or overnight at least. On the right? spirit of Tasmania. I want to know yeah. what it takes on the spirit of Tasmania. Yeah. Like if yeah. if I left on a Friday night, could I give, get back by Sunday night and see a game of footy in between? Maybe go to Mona. <laughs> see an upside a, down cross. 
I want to go. I want to go to Mona. I want to check out some art. I want to see a game of footy. I want to see eat some cheese, have a nice glass of wine, get back on the spirit of Tasmania, and then get. And also, what happens on the spirit of Tasmania? Like, what's the inboard entertainment on the spirit of Tasmania? <laughs> We're not being sponsored by them. No, but we could be if <laughs> the offers are right. Oh my god. What we should do is actually do a show on the spirit of Tasmania, like a cruise. That'd be amazing. That's why we need to get like football in Tasmania. So you and I can host a cruise. (laughs) To Tasmania. Oh, yeah. That was our business. That's like our side business. We host like these, like, you know, like the Weezer cruise or whatever. Like in America, they do them with DJs now and they get a whole bunch of bands that like, you know, go together and you you go off on a cruise for three days and like basically have a music festival on a boat. We could do the podcast. Like people have to have a sleep, but yeah. we do like we get all fans of the podcast on, and we do like a spirit of yeah. Tasmania tofop. Well, we'll get like the Outer Sanctum, we'll get the Junk Time guys, whoever. We'll do oh, like a little. It'll be a podcast yes. festival. I mean, if there's enough time to do a couple of one hour podcasts, like maybe three there and three back or something like that. No, it's twelve and a half hours. Twelve so and a half hours. Twelve and a half hours, time. right? So time to eat, yeah. and this is just like on in one room. Right? So yeah. there's like a little theater. Like on a cruise ship, there's a theater and we go in and like the podcast, we do three hours. It's, it's essentially like going to one of those footy breakfasts on grand final day. There's yeah, like a definitely. footy, it's like a footy panel. Well, I think if like Chris is serious about promoting Tasmania and he's got like editorial power, maybe he should just start like a front page campaign. Get two guys, yeah. one cup to Tasmania. Like, you know what I mean? If we can get enough public support, maybe we can get this happening. Can, like, I mean, would we be like, you know, like Hawthorne is sponsored by Tasmania? Yeah. Would we... Become the first state-sponsored podcast? Yeah. Which like, has know, a different... Which sounds different to what we're actually want it yeah. to be. We, we don't want to be yeah, a state-sponsored state-sponsored in a kind of like Vladimir Putin, you can't say anything <laughs> or we'll lock you in a gulag sort of way, but more just the like sponsored by a state. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be amazing. Yeah. Uh, he wrapped it up by saying, as a name for everyone's new favorite second team, okay. yes. with the obvious one, the Tigers already taken, and the Devils being way too similar to the Demons, well, we'd clearly need to workshop this more. I kind of like the idea of doing what Cricket has done down here with the Hurricanes and just go with a totally irrelevant name. Maybe the Tassie Patriots or the Tassie Raptors. I don't know. What are your thoughts? I think both those ideas are dumb. Yeah, I don't like the the Patriots or the Raptors. Um, well, firstly, the Patriots just feels a little too sort of one nationy, or like you know, yeah. in a, in a state that it doesn't have the proudest history with their indigenous people and stuff. Just the idea of like associating it with patriotism or like you know, anyway, whatever. It feels a bit gross. Don't like it. Well, if you think about the the two most recent expansion clubs, the Suns, there is definitely a link with the Gold Coast, Queensland, the Sun, that makes sense. The GWS Giants, on the other hand, that feels a bit more arbitrary. So I think you'd go one of two ways. You'd be like like the Tasmanian Summits (laughs) or uh, the Tasmanian... Is there like a... What other animals have you got down there? What kind of fish? The salmon? The Tassie salmon? Do they have salmon in Tasmania? <laughs> the Tassie oysters? Yeah, I think Tassie. Ta- like, what about salmon the a- is Tasmania? What about the abalones? That's, what that about rolls that? off the tongue. The Tasmanian apples? abalones. It's the apple isle, right? Could they be the, like the apples? The Tassie apples? It's not very yeah. fearsome. Well, 
Like, I mean, it's weird that we think they what should about, be fearsome anyway. Like, what about... E- like, I know an eagle's fearsome, but it's not like in a fight with, like, a sun. The sun's going to beat an eagle in any fight, any day. The sun even beats a giant. It's the sun. <laughs> what about legendary Tasmanian Errol Flynn? Famous for his daring do, his famous exploits, but also yeah. for having an enormous penis. So what if they are the Tasmanian Errol Flynn's enormous penises? No, I did a dollop episode about Errol Flynn. It turns out he was a real terrible dude. Oh, really? So, yeah, no, not the Errols. Although they could use that song, Errol, you know, by, uh, what's, yeah. uh, what's the Australian uh, band? Australian is? Crawl. Australian Crawl, yeah. Yeah. Well, that would be the song that they would play at the start of the game, like Never Tear Us Apart. Right. They call them the Errols and they play Errols by Australian Crawl, but they get them to agree to do a new version and rename themselves Tasmanian Crawl. And then they sing the song Errol before every game. I'm warming back into it, Charlie. We can whitewash some of his terrible history. Uh, And he finishes up by saying, we clearly need a coach and I have two words for you. Brendan Bolton. Um, I don't know if you, well, clearly this is, this, this is from a few weeks ago. I don't know if yeah. anyone's feeling that hot on Brendan Bolton these days. Cause he's affordable. <laughs> Did you see that press conference he gave on the weekend after the Frio loss? And everyone was like attacking him for being like deluded and stuff. And I was like, I watched him talk about it and he was just saying, look, you know, we are, we're, we're at where we're at. You know, I'm putting the best players on the field that I can. We're just, you know, we, we, you know, I'm not going to abandon them. I, I'm not going to trash them. But this is just where we're at. And everyone was like, ah, oh, he's got to be harder on them. What did they want him to come out and say? Like, just to come out and just shrug and, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. They're terrible. But we this suck. Is, but this is my point about the way that Carlton expects success, even though they haven't had it for a long time. Whereas the Bulldogs won the Premiership two years ago. And Bevo comes out and goes, well, yeah, what are we going to do? We've got a heap of injuries. And, like, we're playing a lot of kids. And, you know... And we're all like, yeah, no, I mean, that yeah. seems fair all enough. All the doggy supporters like, yeah, you're right, Bevel. Let's have another kind. Put our feet up. It's been a hard day. <laughs> we've deserved, we've earned this. Doing absolutely nothing but supporting this team. You're right, Bevo. <laughs> all right, let's wrap it up for this week. Where Should we do good... tips? Is there any point for us to do tips? Yeah, of course. I mean, all someone's right. bloody keeping track of this shit. Although yeah, they haven't for three weeks, we took I think weeks it's off and stuff. <laughs> we've been gone. I think it just went to default then. Um, okay. If it goes oh. to default, we both go to the same default. Yeah, that's right. And probably our tips got better, I'd imagine, if it's fucking completely arbitrary or based on yeah. how the defaults work. It's based on the away team, I think. Normally, yeah. that's how that how it works. Okay, the first game coming up is. Uh, <laughs> It's coming. West Coast Eagles playing Essendon uh, this evening, in fact. In fact, in, so in like an hour from now. Yeah. So by the time you hear this, there will be a winner and there will be a loser. And I'm saying the winner will be... You think West Coast would have to bounce back, right? Do you think the travel... No Kennedy, no Darling. Yeah, but I don't know. I mean, I'm, I've so fallen off the radar with where teams are at. I, I couldn't even tell you who's in the fucking top eight. Where are Essendon? Are they in the top eight? Essendon nine? have been playing better. But they had yeah. a terrible start, but they've been playing better. But they're coming off the bye, and most of the teams that are coming off the bye have not started well or played well. Uh, I'm, West Coast to win this. I, I would West imagine. Coast. I'm going to say West Coast yeah. as well. Plus, I'm uh, enjoy out of West Coast, and I'm not ready to give up on it. 
Yeah, no, I'm really enjoying it. Uh, Friday night, Port Adelaide take on Melbourne at Adelaide Oval. Um, so Big Port game. it back into some form, I understand that. Yep. Jack Watts has been dropped. Uh, yes. That's a shame, but, you know, oh well. <laughs> Would have been nice to see him take on his old team. Jeez, uh, who's who's better placed? I know Melbourne... I reckon they're both it. about the same. Like, this okay. is like a really evenly matched, particularly with Port at home. I mean, it's, it, this is a hard game to pick, I reckon. I, I, just because I'm riding, and again, I have no real reason for this. I'm not even sure why I'm enjoying the idea that, you know, Melbourne should be deprived of, you know, some joy that, you know, their fans should have the right to experience. But I'm riding it, and I'm enjoying it, so I'm going to say Port Adelaide. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's a question of... I used to hate Port Adelaide. Like, they were our, they're our bogey team yeah. for alongside and stuff. But if I have to choose... You know, between let them fight, like Godzilla versus whatever that other monster was. Let them fight. Yeah. I don't care. It's just carnage. Um, I'm going to pick Port Adelaide. Is that who you picked? Yeah, Hawthorne yeah. play G uh, G C S C the Gold Coast Football Club uh, at the University Down in of Tassie. Tasmania Stadium. Soon, uh, our new sponsors, uh, Tasmania. <laughs> and do you think if I mean, if that did happen, that they got a state team, how many members do they suck away from Hawthorne, you reckon? Well, this is part of the problem. They have to suck all the members away from Hawthorne and North Melbourne. For it to work, this is one of the things that the editor of the Hobart Mercury might not have considered, which is you've got to convince all those people who've adopted Hawthorne or North Melbourne to throw away their Hawthorne. Or... But, you know, Sydney people do that. We know a lot of Sydney people who, like, held on to their Victorian teams for a while, but then have lived in Sydney for so long that they follow Sydney. So I do we? you could do it in Tassie. Yeah. Do we? I know one I know. friend of ours who, who came yeah. night. Oh, well, uh, I know another one. He, he, he disavowed uh, the Adelaide Crows and became a Sydney yeah. Swan supporter. Well, no, the, the, I know at least two others. Okay. And disavowed, so, hey? Well, who, yeah, essentially, eventually, I think Sydney was their second team, but then you live in Sydney and you're sort of like, Oh, well, you know what? I'm like it with the rugby league. I don't really have a team in the rugby league. I followed the Roosters when I lived in Bondi, but I didn't really like them much. And so when I moved back to Melbourne, I was like, I follow the Storm now. Like, yeah, because I live in Melbourne. And, it's and Melbourne's also, team. And they're, also and they're good. good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it has to be Hawthorne. They'll, they'll, they'll crush them. Isaac Smith to kick five, and that's my luck of the week. Yeah, Hawthorne. Oh, did you know that... Um, uh, Rioli has uh, taken time out. Taken some time out. That's yes. pretty. Fuck- I mean, look, he's won four premierships and he's done everything he could do for the club. And if he needs to, you know, do something else with, else with his life, but it'd be sad for the game if there was no more Cyril. You kind of felt like you had, like, is that I the know, talk? I hope there that will it, be. That it, that it There's might a bit be. of talk that he might. That, that he just maybe, you know, mm. he might walk away from the game. I no, hope that's not is, the case. Yeah, that'll suck. I mean, having said that, like. We talked earlier this year about it should be a mandate that every team gets Rioli because, like, Daniel, Willie... I mean, there's something about that's family's DNA. They're just fucking... There's no... They are perfectly built to play this particular sport. Their skills, their speed, their agility, their courage, their strength is just perfectly suited to this game. Everyone should get Attitude. a Rioli. Attitude. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You get a Rioli. You, you, you get, get a Rioli. Rioli. And you get a Rioli. I'd rather Rioli Royce. No. Okay. Uh, Brisbane Lions are taking on GWS at the Gabba. Um, where are Brisbane at? Are they still bottom of the ladder? 
Not great. Um, GWS should hard, win that, right? But not great. GWS playing a little bit better, but it's at in Brisbane. Like this is the sort of game GWS should win, but you could see Brisbane winning. Um, I, I, gee, I don't know. This is a hard game to pick, actually. Uh, I'm going to say GWS just by. Oh, now you've got me fucking. Put, you've sown the seeds of doubt in my mind. I was pretty convinced. No, you know what, Charlie? Just for the sake of interest, I'm going to say Brisbane Lions win this one, okay, and that's my luck of the week. <laughs> Western Bulldogs take on the Shinboners at Etihad Stadium. Uh, geez, walking wounded, taking on finals aspirants. Um, no, I'd have to win this game, you'd think. No, Jared Waite. Jared Waite's out, finally. Oh, after really? Having... What a shock. Jared Waite started off flying and then got injured or suspended. That's never happened before. That is unprecedented. Mate... <laughs> He is a roller coaster, isn't he? Like, yeah. imagine if Jared Waite was your favourite player. Like, you'd be there'd be a month of every year where you would strut around the pub and mm. post footy and go, you, "I fucking told you, Jared Waite is the best player in the fucking AFL," and I fucking told you, I love Jared Waite. And then eventually he'd punch someone or like his fucking eye'd fall out or whatever. And like, <laughs> Jared White. He's like an episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm. Yeah. Jared White. Wait another 12 weeks till I'm fit again to play. Uh, Uh, Yeah, no. I mean, it'd be great to see the Bulldogs win this like as a real sort of statement with all our players out. Oh, it's a statement game, is it, Will? Something to galvanise the club, hey? Yeah, but... They probably won't because I don't think anyone gives enough of a shit to make a statement, unfortunately. Nah, I'm going to pick the Shinboners in this game. And then the final match is the Pies taking on the Blues, the MCG. Ooh, this is going to get ugly, isn't it? I mean, I you know, last year I kind of warned against people taking Carlton back into their hearts. I was like, don't be, don't. Don't fall for it. And now I feel like maybe I went a bit too hard on them. Like, because I'm seeing the state they're in now. I'm like, oh, shit. Like, what was I What was I worried about? What was I so scared of? I mean, Collingwood are flying, but they lost to Carlton last year. And this is just the sort of then, game that... No, not, on the, not at the MCG. I mean, oh, maybe? Because I guess this is the complete opposite to a backs against the wall game, isn't it? You're coming off yeah, a but you know what? I think I think that you know at the meditation retreat at the yoga retreat, I think <laughs> I what's happened that. is that Bucks has got his back from this is this has been a different magpies. This isn't your backs against the wall magpies. This is magpies who believe they are the wall. They've become one with the yeah. wall. That's yeah. what Nathan Buckley no, realised. There is no that, wall. There is no wall. The only wall that was there was the wall that you had built yourself to hold yeah. your back. Yeah, your own fears were your wall. Yeah, Bucks. Yeah, you had to break down that wall. You had to smash the wall down, and then once the wall came down, then you could finally be free. Yeah, uh, I'll pick the pies in that match. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> okay, that is it. We are done. Do you are you touring or doing anything you need to promote? Uh, I have a show called Will Legal that is playing at the Sydney Opera House, um, and Woo-hoo! it will play at some other places. 
but yeah, Sydney Opera House, and it's selling pretty quick, that one. Well, I mean, look, here's the thing. Normally, you can get a ticket up until the day because it's like two shows at the concert hall on one night, and that's about how many tickets I can sell. So I normally sell it out, but pretty much on the day. So there's no real rush. This year, I reckon it'll probably sell out before the day, probably weeks before the day. So if you want a ticket, um, I'd get in earlier rather than wait around, would be my tip. Yeah, do that. And uh, we'll be back next week with uh, to wrap up of these six games and previewing the last six games of the bye. Um, what else do we need to talk about? We've talked about Patreon. Yep. Is there anything else we need to talk about? Nah, that's it. I can't even I think about know. it. That'll... It's good, it's good to be back, Will. It's good to be is back, it? not knowing is anything Is it good for the audience? No, I don't know. know. This is like, I mean, look, we've had a mid-season I feel like slide. this will be like one of these things where people look back on this season